0: Mm -hmm. yeah you sound great cool what is up everybody it is wednesday night welcome to the latest episode of doc talk episode 22 let's go back everybody welcome back welcome back doc talk it's good to be back it's good to see you guys
1: good to see you
2: good.
1: too thanks for having us on chat so
0: uh hey you guys are having me on i'm just here i'm just the guy with the computer <laughs> setting this stuff up that's all i am um so yeah a couple repeat offenders tonight back on doc talk and one just joining us mr
3: jim Ware. hey man i'm sorry i'm late you're not late. We just started. Oh, okay. to,
0: all the only thing you missed was that boring Jameson Redding intro. You've seen. That I got before. you. Yeah, okay. was, you've seen that one once. It's like a Calvin Klein commercial,
3: right? Right. right. Yeah, that's what we call <laughs> it—the
0: Calvin Klein ad. Just so you guys at home know. Okay, so Doc Talk. Everybody knows the rules. Everybody's the host. Everybody's in charge. Um, what we do is we ask <laughs> you guys at home that are listening to the show throw up some questions throw up some comments in the in the message boards and we'll try to answer those as we go if you guys hear something that you want to hear then uh yeah let's talk about let's talk about it so uh so how's everybody's season going we'll uh, just room it's we're summer now we'll start with dale and then uh, work our way around
2: uh wow how's my season going well first year tournament fishing finally jumped into that and I accomplished my first goal on the first tournament. Got one scoreable fish. Awesome. Perfect. Um, second tournament came in fourth. Good deal. And it's kind of gone downhill from there because, as you can see, uh, Mr. Timothy Morris, Mo Dog, who lives about a quarter mile from me, my third tournament, thankfully, there was a trash fish pot because I caught four catfish, uh, three crappie. And a sand bath. And yes, I did win the trash fish pot on that one. And then we just had a, another tournament this past weekend. And all I could catch was catfish. So Welcome I'm still catching the- fish, just not bass.
0: Trash master. Uh, you've been called yeah. the trash master now.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that would definitely be the where I'm at right now. So anybody <laughs> that gets out there, if your tournament is running a trash fish side pot, Please throw in the five bucks for the poor people like me that can't catch bass but can catch everything else.
0: (laughs) Hey, man, (laughs) I I would like to tell you that it doesn't happen to us, but it happens to us all.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. uh,
2: other, Other than that, having a great time learning, getting out, meeting new people, like Tim there, didn't realize he's literally a quarter mile down the road from me. And we met online and tournament fishing. So get out there,
1: at least meet the people. It's a great time. Right. Really? How
2: about you You Josh? know some uh, well, I was going to say
1: great. for for Dell, um, you know, this being like your first season tournament fishing, right? I think uh, you know, it's a really cool opportunity if you're able to document that and capture it and share that out, you know, that perspective of that new tournament angler is something that there's tons of content out there, but that specific content really isn't there. Uh, and I think it would encourage more folks who are on the, kind of the, you know, on the fence deciding whether or not they're going to fish tournaments, you know, uh, they'll see other people doing it and documenting it and showing the trials and stuff that they're going through and the, and the successes. And I think that that could be something very encouraging for them.
2: So I, I did, my lovely wife did get me a GoPro for, I think Valentine's day this year. And so I do have a couple of videos out on YouTube, mm-hmm. but then there's also the learning process of batteries die. How do you keep the batteries up? How do you keep enough memory in the SD card, the mm-hmm. editing, all that stuff? I've, I've had to learn that as well. Um, so, unfortunately, the last two where I've been the trash master, my mm-hmm. GoPro has not worked as well as I wanted it to. And I missed a lot of content or documentation. So, I'm a little behind on that. But right absolutely the the very first one i definitely put together a nice 5 minute 6 minute video of that first day of how amazing that was of just getting one fish that was my goal one fish and i felt like i won the tournament just with one fish
1: oh yeah
0: yeah batteries uh batteries can be your friend if, unless you've got uh, like i've got the yak power charging port uh built put on my Nar, and i can actually run power to my front and back gopros if i need to um but i also carry a big old box of batteries around um for them two cameras sitting up there and then for i'll keep two extra cameras and then the camera in front of me and a camera behind me so yeah a lot of battery changing
2: it's- okay. yeah, I'm, I'm just running one and i've only got one battery right now and, and again getting out and meeting people there were three or four guys running GoPros this past weekend and everybody had a different way of doing it. And you're like, I like how he does that. I like the way he does that one. So maybe i mix a couple of, of mm-hmm. options, but Probably. getting out and meeting people has been the best part.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's like farmers only, but it's like for fishermen. That's what tournaments are. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Josh, you're getting ready to, uh, you're getting ready to head back out, man.
1: Time yeah, man, lesson. I'll tell you what, my season started really well. Um, I had two one day tournaments back to back. Well, a bunch of tournaments back to back to back all in the same weekend between KBF coming to town and um, our local series kicking off their first you know, season of doing guaranteed thousand dollar paid outs for first and all that. Um, and I went out the first day and I didn't do super great. Second day, I went to kind of something that's more in my wheelhouse. And uh, and I got a first place in our local trail. And then a, a second, which downgraded to a third. A lot of complicated whatever behind that. But um, <laughs> I did really well. And then I had this neck surgery. So um had to miss you know pretty much all the tournaments in June, which is a huge bummer. Cayuga coming up for BOS was something I really wanted to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be getting back to it uh July fifteenth with the uh, Mid Atlantic kayak bass fishing series out here. I am gonna keep I'm keeping it pretty much regional, local for the most part, just because between the next surgery and and you know, new job and everything else, so a lot of stuff going on locally at home, you know. There
0: ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Mr. Jim man, like the the man will travel. <laughs> What's been going on? What's been new with you?
3: So I, I don't know if the last time I was on, if I had made it to Florida on my own trip and come you, back or I was, he, I was ready headed to
0: go. You was okay. So,
3: go. so I made a, a week long trip down to Florida, fished six different lakes, got to hook up with miss Jean and uh fished a, a lake down there and that ended up being the best one um, mm-hmm. out of all the lakes. So, so I had a great time doing that tournament wise. I've been in a slump for a while and uh just this past weekend was a KBF trail on Lake Chickamauga mm-hmm. and I ended up placing uh, on day two the uh you know they have each day's this standalone tournament. Mm-hmm. So day one I was eleventh and uh but I'd found something that I didn't I didn't know about. And uh day two I went straight there and it was a school fish in about or 20 18 to 18 to 30 feet, it was on a submerged point and it was a big school of fish, not even giants. Mm-hmm. But I caught so many, I had so much fun catching fish in that tournament. Um, day two, though, I after I got my limit realized that about 17 inches was the biggest fish I, I'm gonna catch out at school. I made a move mm-hmm. and um, to uh, a ledge that was fairly close to where I was at and I pulled a 21 and a half off of it and that moved me up to actually I, I come in fifth place the highlight of the whole tournament that was big fish of day two so I got a, a little check for that but I was coming back to the ramp and um, realized you know I had 10 minutes left and there was a ledge that I had to come fairly close to I, I was not far from it when I realized that I only had 10 minutes left. I ran over there, and when I passed this one section of it, my side image, and I, it looked like fish. So I just hit spot lock. I'm in a blue sky, and mm-hmm. uh, and I grabbed my jig rod, stood up, and cast it. And the first cast I caught one, it was 17 inches, which culled me up an inch and a quarter and um, moved me three spots up. So I came in fifth. No, no check. Good points, but um, you know, and when that fish was uploaded, it was uh two o'clock. Was lines out, and I uploaded it at one fifty seven. So awesome, that was man. pretty exhilarating, you know. Um, uh, yeah, like buzzer beater type deal. And that, so, that just
0: goes to show it ain't over till it's over.
3: It, it ain't over till it's over. In fishing, anything can happen on any cast.
0: That's a hundred percent true. That is a hundred percent true. You know, a lot of times on doc talk, we, we sit around we talk about the boats. We talk about the different things that, um, you know, the boats can acquire and obtain and we can, our rigging and and all that. So I want to hit you guys a little bit different. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some rods and reels. Like, what are you guys throwing? I, I talked to Joey last night on, um, on our episode of the Orion podcast. And and we was talking about, you know, flipping setup, you know, or, or plastics, plastics and jigs. What do you guys use for, um, fishing, you know, either soft plastics or a jig? Like what's your rod and reel combo line type?
2: I'm just getting back into the fishing game after about 20 years. So all my stuff is from the early nineties and I haven't really gotten new stuff. Mm -hmm. I do have some new stuff thanks to my wonderful wife who is slowly helping me get back (laughs) into the more current technologies instead of all the, the graphite stuff from the nineties. So the newest stuff I have is casting fishing rods. That's what, it's the first thing in my hand. It's the chatter grass rod. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows I, the first thing I'm throwing is a spinner bait or a chatter bait, most likely a spinner bait. So uh, cash and chatter grass rod. Other than that, it's stuff that I've, kept for 30 years that is still in good shape
0: that's awesome absolutely awesome man i mean to have stuff and and still have it in good working condition just means you took care of it how about you jim uh what are you out there but, slinging with these days
3: well i i love dragging a football jig or a, a wobblehead um Swing head jig, I love. I love those heavy. I love fishing offshore, and if I can find them deep, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I've got a um, my main. There's two rods, that I'm going to be throwing most of the time. It's a seven six uh, Loomis NRX um, heavy action, and mm-hmm. I ha- and I have a uh, Shimano Bantam on it. And the other one's a, a seven foot NRX heavy action, and I have a Bantam on it too generally 17 at Chickamauga this past week i I had 20 fluoro tied on it or spooled on it but it's just they're so sensitive and uh and when you're dragging across the bottom and like like that point i was fishing at i'd bomb cast try to get as far out i was pulling that jig uphill Mm -hmm. and uh so it, I could tell it was smooth. You know, I was on mud or whatever. Right. And, and there was this one section and it, it was shell or peat gravel or what, but mm-hmm. I could, it was, there it is. Bah, 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 bah. And, and I was it. just crawling it over those, whatever they were. And, and I knew I was going to get hit that when I hit that rock, a hard bottom, I was ready to go, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's when I would get hit. but, yeah, that, and um, I've got an IMX Pro crankbait rod. I have curados on, on all my other rods, mm-hmm. but um, but I, I like throwing a crankbait, too. Um, chatterbait, I, I have a 6'6", medium-heavy NRX with a, an Audubon reel on it. But mm-hmm. I'll throw a Chatterbait on it. Even though it's medium-heavy, it's got a really nice tip. And um, and I can, you know, the trick with chatterbaits, you let them eat it, and and, mm. and and so it's it's got enough give that I can let that fish eat it, and and then it's got plenty of backbone to get it in.
0: Okay, uh, question from question from the crowd for you, Jim. Um, tell us, bank beaters, to help us learn how to move out and catch more fish in deep water
3: okay um electronics get as proficient as you can at reading electronics get the best electronics you can afford you don't have to have the most expensive but but side imaging is a huge tool for me Uh, i have live scope but side imaging is what i really pay attention to um that and map study um you download Navionics uh, app, or I have gone. I have a Garmin unit, so I have the uh, uh, Active Captain app, and and it's got mapping on it. Um, and and that's that's what that's the tools I use to go offshore. Um, maps, and and once I get on the water, uh, like I said, side imaging and just looking for. There's some apps. I mean, there's some uh, pages on YouTube. Uh, Fish the moments. One of the uh, I've seen one of the best that I've seen, where the guy can explain to you about reading electronics, and it doesn't blow your mind. He, you know, he's uh, he explains it really clearly and uh, and well. Um, I've learned a lot watching that kid on uh,
2: on electronics.
3: Very good.
0: Very good. I like
2: it real quick. I got a question for Jim. What specific structure are you looking for offshore, whether it's in map study or on your electronics?
3: Well, I'm if wh- while I'm looking on maps, I'm I hard bottom road beds. Oh, especially in a man-made reservoirs, old road beds, building foundations. Uh, sometimes they will have rock, um, listed as a rock pile you know as a fish marker or something like that creek channel bends high sides of uh of a creek channel um a lot of times that's a hard bottom anywhere along a major say in on tennessee river system the the so you'll have 50 foot deep in the main channel and then it'll come all the way up to six foot or whatever and there'll be these remnant sandbars on the side of the, the river um shell beds are likely to be on the high spots of those the, those old uh sandbars along the river there
0: and like if you was to google earth pickwick is actually a really good lake to look at for, yes to kind of understand what he's talking about there because pickwick has as you go south towards uh, the wilson dam it gets pretty shallow in areas back there and you can see a lot of those sandbars that like he's talking about
3: yep there's actually some old uh indian mounds in pickwick there that uh, they catch fish off of that are submerged yeah but once i get on the water i'm looking for from on my side imaging or down imaging the return showing me that it's a hard bottom and what that's going to be is a really bright glowing depending on what color scheme you're running on your uh, electronics um i run uh, it's like an amber color so what i'm if it's mud it looks almost burgundy and then if it's a hard bottom it'll be bright yellow and Mm -hmm. and i know that's a hard bottom i go scan it and a lot of times there's school fish on it they just love those those shell beds and such this time of the year
0: yeah and that's uh it almost if you're looking at your graph they'll to kind of explain it it almost looks shiny yeah on your side imaging that would be that'd be the best way to to put it like when you're cruising down through there it will look shiny and you'll see rice a lot of times yeah
3: yeah the fish look look like grains of rice Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs)
1: nice yep
0: all right. Hey, Josh. So, you, like, uh, what, uh, what's your rod and reel setups? Uh, what are you using for shallow flipping, pitching, and then uh, throwing t- jigs and plastics?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I've got I've got a couple rods, kind of like Jim, you know. Uh, I've got mm-hmm. one in particular that's my absolute favorite, whether I'm throwing a chatterbait or um, even throwing – I like throwing 3-8-ounce, a half-ounce uh, flipping jigs, but I like throwing mm-hmm. them on deep wood, like, 18 to 25-foot deep. So a little bit different than than Jim Pro. We don't really have ledges out here unless it's in the rivers and that's totally different, you right. know. Um so a lot of the reservoirs out here have standing timber that's 20 to 50 foot tall trees, you know. Mm-hmm. And um so I'll pick those apart uh but I, I got a, a me- medium heavy uh 73 i rod crusher um is my absolute favorite favorite chatterbait rod and jig rod in general. Yeah. And hey Jim knows ride. about them. <laughs> Jim yeah, knows all about a them. Ride. Yeah. Um, that's that's I've got like five of them in my lineup I mean I I keep a couple different colors tied on, and you know, uh if I'm going out and just fun fishing, that's how I rock. But uh, if I'm fishing heavier cover and the kind of the thick floppy stuff, um, then I'll I'll go over to like the heavy crusher. Um but uh, but that seven three medium heavy is is just money. I, I usually have um a super duty wide, a loose super duty wide reel. I like the line Mm -hmm. capacity on them. I can kind of do a little more with them. Um and have a lot a lot of versatility as far as lure weight choices that I'm throwing. So uh so I've got a lot of those in my lineup. Uh and almost all of my my rods and reels that are on my bait casting setups are all a twelve pound P line tactical fluorocarbon. Um I don't do a lot of the I know a lot of the guys like to do, you know, braid to floral leaders and all that. And I, I hate fiddling with that out on the water. I really do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm running pure floral all the time. If I switch up from that, it'll be for like big swim baits and stuff. And then I'll have heavier, uh, line and usually mono, you know, like a 17 pound mono for like a big swim bait or something like that. But mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I'm same way on my casters,
0: man. I run, I run full floral carbon. I, I unless my frog rod and then it's straight braid but right right, everything else is straight up fluoro with the exception of spinning reels and like i said the frog rod so yeah yeah with you i
1: I really like throwing so a lot of the the lakes reservoirs up here they've got um these small black water snakes in them you know Mm Uh, and so I'll throw like a 10 or 12 inch ribbon tail and like a black neon or something like that, you know, some like black with red flags, something like that, yep. uh, Texas rigged and you know, um, I'll throw that on the bait casters and it's, it's nasty, man. Like a quarter ounce pegged, uh, tungsten bullet weight. I mean, you can't beat it. They, they go crazy for it when they're not hitting the jig. So
0: now for talking about, uh, lures and everything, let's, uh, let's kind of get into this and and this is your own fault, Josh. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to let you start with it. How do you guys decide number one lure weight, and how do you decide color? What are some of your key f- keys that key you in on? You know what type of you know sinker size that you're going to use, and there again, out of the plethora of colors that are on the market, how do you decide which color you're going to go with?
1: Uh, I'm pretty basic with colors. So I'll be honest with you. I like sticking with blacks, blues, and whites. Maybe throw some chartreuse on there. Um, I know a lot of people will change their colors up based on like, you know, uh, how the sky's looking and all that. And I don't, I don't really do that so much with my, with my reaction baits I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but not so much, you know, with like just my regular jigs and, and plastics. Um, as far as weight goes, uh, I think rate of fall can play a big, big part in it. A lot of times, you know, some fish, uh, especially when they're sluggish, they like that little bit slower fall you know, cause it really gives it more time in their face as it's going down, unless you're fishing the bottom, um, or working the bottom real heavily. But the, the rate of fall, I think has a big impact on how the fish react to the baits personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also another factor is current. Obviously if I'm fishing current and I got to get the, the fish are sitting low, I, I got to get past that current and get through that current, you know, um, or I'll fish a lighter jig, you know, for instance, and, and kind of work with the current, you know, and let the bait kind of look a little more naturally, kind of pushing down river, for instance. Um, so they're seeing something that looks like a natural forage, you know. Mm-hmm. That's me personally. How about you, Jim?
3: If you were to look at my soft plastics box it, it, or bag, 80% of them are going to be black and blue flake. And uh, that. I haven't I throw that all the time I mean mm. clear water muddy water i it it just gives them a profile and and I catch fish with them, even when you know uh people's morning dawn you know' they're, they're hitting this, I haven't had a problem throwing a black blue flake I do have like in really clear water i'll i'll i i put on something that, like a uh Alabama crawl color or something like that that looks really natural mm-hmm. but i in my mind i know if i put the black and blue flake on they would probably hit that too they might not but i'm that confident with that color um or just a like um what's the berkeley uh Mac scent
0: mm-hmm. the
3: just the black
0: um, straight black yeah
3: set mag black mag mag hit, hit worm or the uh king tail uh I catch a lot of fish on that. A, a lot. So, I'm like you, Josh, black. The the basic colors, but I, I just tend, tend to throw a, just a dark color because so, it gives them a profile. is how I look at it.
0: Makes mm-hmm. it less easy
1: for them to pick it apart.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. It interesting. Yeah. No, no green pumpkin has made it in here yet. How well, about you,
2: Dale? Right, there you go. There, I'll be your green <laughs> pumpkin guy because... Here, no mm-hmm. going with it. If you don't have green pumpkin, everybody's asking you why you're not throwing green pumpkin. Right. Um, however, I do have a bag of the black with the blue flake in it. Um, as far as weight, Joey said it last night on the Orion podcast. Everything I throw is 3 eighths. Everything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that I don't have that's not 3 eighths. just like he said last night. I know exactly how that's going to come off the reel, I know exactly how I can cast that three eighths ounce weight. So everything I have is three eighths.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. That's and that's a good shout out to Joey as well for some of his comments last night. Um now another thing I think that really since we're on this topic and I think it plays right back in on on your real speeds. Like when you look at your actual you know speed, I mean seven seven two to one used to be fast. Now that's kind of that's kind of becoming slower reels. Um, do you? What are you guys fishing with as far as your speed? Are you guys running some of these new hyper fast reels that are out there, or are you guys just sticking with the seven twos? Whoever wants to field it, field it. I've, and how do you choose?
3: Uh, I've got every reel I have is a seven, seven, seven two to one, mm-hmm. except one. I've got, a, and the only reason it's a, and it's a eight to one. The only reason I got it is because it was the only one. <laughs> that that they had um at the time as a it's a Corrado one, uh two no it's a 150 mm-hmm. and uh so I've got and I've got it on a flipping stick um and you know so like I can flip and and get it up quick you know that to go to the next spot that time. but yeah seven t- crankbaits I'll throw the seven I can reel slower if I need to um mm-hmm. this is the way I look at it uh, I'm used to using that speed. Um, so every every you know, every reel I pick up, except that one flipping stick, is is going to retrieve as about the same as the next one. You know, if I'm if I'm junk fishing or trying to figure something out, I, I know I, I know what speed that bait's moving at as I'm reeling. I don't have to look at the bottom of the reel and see see what. See what what's
1: going know. on you know yeah yeah i'm the same as jim um i, I like all my reels fast I, it's mostly seven one ones eight one ones um i have one one reel it's a, it's a crankbait reel that's six four one i think and i actually i never use it i <laughs> i you know I, I don't like you know especially if you got where i, where I fish i fish a lot of if I'm fishing the reservoirs they're you know, like I said, I'm fishing in like 20 feet or something like that. And those fish, when they get it, they either shoot straight up to the surface and launch, or, you know, they come running straight at your boat and past it. And if you're, if you're fishing anything with a slower gear ratio, you cannot keep up with them fish and you lose a lot of, them, in my opinion. So I, I like kind of like what Jim was saying, I really like to be able to, you know, have control of that, that cadence and that speed, uh, as much as possible. I can slowly slow down, but if that reel can't go any faster, well, damn, I what, what am I doing, you know? Right. So I just, I kind of leave them out of the arsenal for the most part.
2: I, I still have my old Shimano Speedmaster when the Speedmaster meant six to one.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
2: still got that sitting in the garage and you guys are making me think I might want to trade that out on my uh, Bushmaster telescopic uh, flipping rod. Because right now that's got a five to one sitting on it, mm-hmm. so I, I may go grab that Speedmaster and throw that on there. But my new stuff, uh all the Shimano Corados, about six, seven to one is what I'm using. Plus, like I said, primarily I throw a spinnerbait first, so I'm just keeping it up and down, mm-hmm. just out of sight, and I don't need eight to one speed to do that. Right.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a mixed bag. I've got a little bit of everything. Actually, um the weirdest thing that will probably blow most your guys' minds is I actually throw a chatterbait on a five four. Um Oof. yeah. I couldn't do it. And you know, it's it's just one of those things that uh, you know, I started when I started crankbait fishing was Kevin Van Dam was in his winning winning streak back then. And he was always using the five four, so it's like ah. See what this is about. So, I picked up one and it's something that has stuck with me ever since. Um, now, I do also have a chatterbait rod with seven. So, you know, kayak fishing, I think big boat and kayak fishing with kayak fishing, the boat tends to move um, a little yeah. bit when you're offshore and different things. You know, if you catch fish and unless you're spot locked like Jim, um, chances are your boat's going to move. So, you do need a little bit quicker reel, I think, in kayak fishing to catch up uh, better. To what you got going on, make sure you get a good hook set. I do think that that's important. Um, yeah, I still got a couple, uh, still got a couple slow reels in the lineup, believe it or not. I like them.
2: How I will say, get? over the last year, the one thing I've learned is I always grew up with medium action rods because mm-hmm. on the bank or in a bass boat or whatever, that, that boat doesn't move as much. But like you just stated, our kayaks move quite a bit on that hook set. So I've definitely learned that medium heavy, sometimes even heavy to make sure you get that good hook set
0: Mm-hmm. yeah i i think so what would you guys describe if, if you was a trying to set a new kayak angler up with something one rod one reel one line type what are you going to set them up with to get the new kayak angler started fishing properly
1: i mean It depends on what they're using or what they're, what they're fishing for and how they're,
0: they're they're completely novice.
1: Well, I mean, then I'd have them my favorite setup and see if it worked for them and, or I'd let them go through my arsenal of of rods and reels and see what's most comfortable for them. A lot of times when somebody does well with, you know, a particular rod or reel or line size or bait that, that becomes a confidence to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And one, it'll, it'll keep them engaged in the sport, but two, they'll get better because they have that confidence, you know? Mm -hmm uh i think they'll pick it up faster in that regard
3: that's
0: good advice good advice i would
3: i would uh and i mentioned earlier i have a rod that's six six but in a kayak i i personally went when i was in fishing exclusively from a regular kayak seven Mm. foot long was as short as i would go and that was because of clearing the nose of the boat fighting a fish a shorter rod than that, I would have lost a lot of fish. Um, so I would suggest a, a, at least a seven foot rod, probably a medium heavy. Um, and, uh, you know, a Corrado would be, if I was going to give a brand of a reel, I would something like Corrado or, or spinning rod. I would, um, same thing, seven foot, probably a medium, heavy medium heavy spinning rod. And a. In a three thousand size reel, uh, nice. to throw everything, you know, just mm-hmm. to, to 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 do that, and and I had a uh, it was a seven foot medium heavy, I think uh, Saint Croix Avid mm-hmm. with a with a Stratic three thousand, and I fished, I trout fished, I took it to uh, Florida, I caught redfish, trout on it, bass back here you know i, I use that rod for everything and uh and it was it was a perfect setup um, uh for for just a general tool you know yeah that was I, a great ride
0: like medium heavy is, a, is it's a very diverse setup i think for a lot of folks and you can do a lot of things with it how about you mm-hmm. Dale? what would uh, what would be your if you was going to get somebody started
2: so a year ago i was throwing Six-foot mediums mm-hmm. out of a kayak. Um, and that's because that's what I grew up with. That's what I knew. And I could still, even after a long break, I can cast pretty accurate. But then, as I've learned over the last year, yeah, that seven-foot, and like Jim said, to be able to get around the front gets a lot easier. Um, and then the medium-heavy, like I mentioned earlier, the hook sets, learning that a six-foot medium cannot get that hook through those tough lips so yeah probably six and at least six and a half if not a seven foot and i'm i grew up with shimano so i'm with jim on the carados That i've got a 30 year old carado that i've still got but i still yeah. i used it this past weekend with crankbaits
0: right on okay question. i remember when a six
2: foot rod was a long rod <laughs> exactly
3: <laughs> <laughs> Really, that was a long rod
0: <laughs> now question from the audience right into this um, from Wyatt do you guys find yourself leaning towards longer rods more for leverage in a kayak he knows he does
2: absolutely I,
3: yeah I, I could me, yeah. Um, yeah it gives me more leverage for sure
2: um, yep I, I absolutely the one thing I had to learn with that 7 foot rod is it's harder to just boat flip the fish the 6 foot rod they were much closer to the side of the to the kayak right. and at seven foot they're they're still out there ways
0: mm-hmm. so
2: that's where a good net comes in right
0: what is a good net length I, that's a what is a good net length for kayak fishing i know some people like some of the shorter nets that sit down a lot and then a lot of people like these yak attack leverage um you know nets i mean what uh i think webbing as far as webbing on a net goes definitely the uh rubber over the mesh but uh what's a good net length for uh for a kayak fisherman
1: i like a three foot like two and a half three feet handle um mesh we lost him yeah did i lose y'all yep you're back you're back all right cool Uh, the biggest thing for me aside from that rubber mesh uh netting is a deep basket on it. Honestly, when I first started kayak fishing, you know, I had a little short handle kind of shallow basket net. Uh, cause I came from over from trout fishing, uh, and you know, not really thinking about it. We didn't really, you know, when I fished in basketball, we didn't really use nets too much. So, <laughs> um, I quickly learned that the fish, you know, can jump out of the, the nets a lot easier with that shallow basket. And, uh, they didn't have quite the capacity to land those bigger fish.
3: Mm-hmm. So I don't use a net.
1: Boat flipping. (laughs) I like it. Yeah.
3: um, Even when I was in a kayak, I'd get lures tangled up in it, and it would drive me nuts. And uh, I would put it behind me, and while I'm fighting a fish, I've got to fight to get it. And then just out fun fishing, I never took a net, and Mm. I never had a problem losing a fish. So I just kept the gamble going, and uh, I, I don't take a net with me. One day it'll probably bite me in the butt, but until then I'll just leave it at home. But I do have a, it's a, a, um, Bubba net that, um, my, I I got, and it's got a, it's a three foot, uh, it's got a big, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's heavy, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, um, it's a, it's perfect size, perfect, uh, width and depth of the net. But I'd leave it at
0: home. I feel I feel you. There's a lot of times, man, I leave my net in the truck. I also leave my catchboard in the truck an awful lot. I, I <laughs>
3: have
0: had to learn this year fishing the USA bass and JK Trail to take my freaking catchboard with me. And I, I'm not gonna lie with you, there's I've left it a couple times and had to go back to the truck and get the stupid thing.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> You just get used to not having it and it's like something, one extra thing that you don't have to lug around and it's just kind of nice to leave that stuff at the truck sometimes. Right. How
2: about well, I, you, finally bought a, I finally bought a net. Um, I'd had my KUSA maybe a month and a half, so it was about February time frame. Slow roll on a spinnerbait, out in the middle and hooked into a five pounder and went on a little sleigh ride. That was fun, but then realized I didn't have a net mm-hmm. to get this biggest fish that I've ever caught, especially on a kayak, into the boat. So I literally just had to enjoy the ride until that fish was done and ready to come up right next to me. So I got a three foot net from Bass Pro Shops right after that. And it's nothing special, but it's there for the next five pounder that wants to, or six pound catfish that. So they really want my spinner baits mostly
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i can see that i can see that um so i guess we'll, we'll talk about line here a little bit um you know fluorocarbon is is all the rage uh braids all the rage what are you guys using in is mono filament lines i mean is it still relevant today and what we what we do for fishing
2: that's all i throw I, I do have two reels with braid on it, and I really don't like it. So I'm still throwing strand monofilament, just like I, my grandfather did. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me to tie. I know I know it's going to have stretch, which is kind of a downside in our kayak. But I know how to cast with it. I know how to tie with it. I know how it's going to react with the lures. I, I just stuck with monofilament.
3: Yeah, yeah there you go. I've got a friend, that's all he uses monofilament, but I'm straight floor unless I'm
2: uh,
3: going to Florida or going to be fishing grass, you know, a frog or something or around a lot of grass at Gunnersville. I I have straight braid on them, but um, I don't use a lot, I know, I don't use a lot of topwater lures. If I do, it's a whopper flopper or a buzzbait, so I can throw, I don't have
0: to worry about my line if my line sinks or not because it's it's mm-hmm. moving, um, right? Yeah, I'd say the same. I, I've got the one rod that's got the braid on it, and that's that's really it. Like I say, as far as top water goes, and that's all it's for. How about yeah. you, Josh?
1: Um, mostly floral, but I I do like heavier mono for like I said, the big swim baits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't throw them as often as I'd like to, but you know. I don't have as much confidence in them as I, as I do some of the other baits that I have in my arsenal. So, um, but I do, I, you know, I have my swim bait rod and it's got like, I think 17 pound, uh, some type of P line, uh, mono on it, but I, I don't remember which one I got on there right now, but aside from that, it's mostly floral.
0: There you go. That's, that's good to know. Um, spinning rods is something that we really haven't talked about. Um, do you guys, are you guys spinning rod guys? Are you, are you don't, I,
1: <laughs> I, I love them. I'll throw, I mean, all of my spinning rods have anywhere between eight and 10 pound floral on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, just like with the, the casting rods, I like a little bit longer rods and that like seven to seven and a half foot range is kind of like the sweet spot for me, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've got tons of smallies up here and you know, we do a lot of finesse fishing. Um, and so I always have at least two spinning rods on my kayak at all times. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I've I've got um I a drop shot rod and it's a six ten, I believe, is what the length on that is. And I've yeah. got straight bra I have braid and I tie it to a uh you know, whatever size leader I need for drop shotting. Mm-hmm. Um the uh the um uh, other spinning rod I have is a seven four, I think it's an IMX it's their swim bait, but it's spinning rod. And, uh, and I have eight pound, uh, fluoro on it. And I like throwing, you know, quarter ounce ball head jigs with a Kytec with it or the, uh, a uh, screw head, yeah. um, for spots and small mouth or large, whatever wants to hit it. But when I go to those, uh, Highland reservoirs, i definitely take that rod with me and throw those small
2: swim baits. I almost always have at least one spinning rod, no more than two. But typically, the only time I'm going to pick that up is when even the catfish won't hit my spinner bait or I'm out be right trying back. to find sand bass. So th- my spinning rods are mainly to, to catch sand bass. That- that's what I mainly use those for. And mm-hmm. they're six foot and running the same eight to 10 pound That's
0: monofilament right that's yeah that's good that is very good so spinning reels i mean i'm sure everybody's using probably the fastest spinner reel they can get these days Um, i know mine are up in the sixes now i don't have anything faster than that but hopefully soon um assume you're all using a six instead of a five these days on the on the speed
1: whatever the the Luth custom uh was it custom pro spinning reel whatever that is i don't even know i don't pay attention to it because <laughs> the majority of the stuff i'm fishing you know with my spinning rod or is either small plastics or paddle tails and so i don't really need any speed per se you know so i don't really i don't know i don't look at that for my spinning reels at least
3: i, I couldn't tell you what ratio my spinning reels are
0: it's in the boat right
2: yeah, exactly. in the boat. <laughs> yeah, my my newest mono spinning reel, I I don't even know what what speed it is. is.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, we got a uh, we got a quick question from the audience. Um, I have Kevin. He's got a Cusa FD. Should he spend the money and upgrade his seat and the drive, or should I sell it and invest in an RFD? That's man. A I think really that depends bad on, bad on the kind of water
1: you're fishing. Thing. Personally, uh, I mean, if you're if you're fishing. I, I'm a huge fan of the NAR. Uh, I love the Kusa FD too. I've, I, I had them, uh, Kusa FD, you know, while back. Um, God, that's a tough one. It, it depends if you're fishing a lot of offshore and, and even big water, you know, big lakes, um, with tons of, of miles of shoreline and stuff, you know, I would just go ahead and do the NAR personally. Um, but I mean, the Kusa FD accelerates in those kind of areas as well. I think it's just a, a very different boat, different layout. I like the layout on the NAR a bit better. Um, but you also, you know, if, if he if he loves his Kusa FD, that might be the route too, right? You find that kind of sweet spot, that comfort in, in that particular type of and model of boat. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Either way, I'd, I'd recommend having the Mark IV for sure. I mean, that that drive is light years ahead of, of its predecessors. Yeah. So. You know, I, I would say demo, demo the heck out of a NAR, and if you decide you like it, then go ahead and switch. But if not, just upgrade. Go ahead and do that upgrade, like you're talking about. Yeah, both.
2: I'm, I'm currently in a Kusa HD, and I plan on stepping up to the to the foot drive at some point. But right now, I've got that same debate of do I stay in the Kusa FD line or do I jump all the way to the to the NAR? I I can't give him an answer because I've got the same debate myself because I love the KUSA, the length, the weight and all that great stuff. But like Josh said, that, that NAR is going to be so much better in the open water.
0: I think, you know, for me, I, I like both boats. Both boats are completely different animals in how their rigging capabilities are, are extremely different. Um, you've got the internal rod storage on the NAR and some different things like that. I, I do think like Josh, it comes down a lot to what kind of water you're going to be fishing. Um, you're more medium sized lakes and different things like that. I think the KUSA FD is going to serve you really, really well. Um, if you're going out to the super big, huge lakes and, and the different things like that, the NAR is, it's got a different hull design and it, it's made to uh, really ride over the bigger waves and, it just—it's a very high-performance boat when it comes to big open water. Um, that's what it was built for, and that's where it excels. Um, but the Cusa FD—I mean, it can—it can take on some big water. Uh, we've done it. We tested it in big water when we originally developed the boat. Um, is the drive and the seat worth it? I think is—is is really the biggest question if you want to upgrade your boat. And one thousand percent, if you want to upgrade your boat you will see a night and day difference uh, when you put in the drive. Uh, there's a video that we just actually put out where we took a drive and put it in my buddy's boat, um, and I had the Nar, and he was having a lot of trouble keeping up. Um, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't get near the speed that I could get out of the Nar. but now after switching the drives, it's bumped him up. He's getting four miles an hour loaded down, and, you know, it's really changed the feel of his boat quite a bit. Um, as far as the seat goes, um, I personally like the new seat. Um, I know a lot of you guys run the, um, the, uh, kayak cushion, um, and, and those can add a little bit of cushion if you don't like the way the seat feels. But, um, overall I I do like the seat. I like that, you know, you can throw the under seat bag on there. The front doesn't, uh, crush down as far as the old elite seats did, so, I think the seat overall is a more rigid. It is taller. Um, so, I will tell you that out of the gate. That new seat does set up. It's the tallest seat that we've ever had. Wouldn't you agree, Josh?
1: Yeah, I'd still like to see it be yeah. higher, if I'm, if I'm being honest. It's because you're tall.
0: <laughs> yeah. I won't be able to reach the handles to
1: steer. Yeah. I, I'm short and I
2: would I would love another inch or two in that seat.
1: We'd all love another inch or two, for sure. But uh I, knew and, I was and,
2: setting that up.
0: And do keep in mind, you know, when you do put that taller seat in, it may change the way your boat feels a little bit. So, you know, it, it may be worth your time to go to your local Jackson kayak dealer, demo a Cusa FD with the new seat, with the new drive, see what it feels like. See if those are the upgrades yeah. you want to make and then put it head to head with the NAR and see which boat's going to fit your needs the best. I mean, that's, that's really key.
1: Do we have anybody down in Middle Tennessee? It looks like that's where he uh, he's at. Oh, we got all saying.
0: kinds of Middle Tennessee.
1: Uh, Caney, I Fork. Well, Caney, Caney Fork. Well, I was going to say Caney Fork, or even hook up with the local J- uh, Jackson team member down there that that has the models, you know, that you're considering. Mm-hmm. Um, and they probably have the Mark fours, uh, so that'd be an, another way of checking it out for sure.
0: Yep, Caney Fork. Um, yeah. That's that's the place to go. You know, if you're looking for a dealer, Caney Fork in Middle Tennessee or um gosh, I know there's one in Nashville. I just can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, put them head to head, see what it's all about. And you know, the best way to try the current boat you got is to go out and test drive the new one and you know, it's see if those new parts and work for you and we'll be glad to help you get them upgraded. We've got a sale on the drive right now. Nine ninety nine or something like that. The yep. River Store. Miss Jean has got me. It's the River Store. So, check those out. And uh, Music City. There's all kinds of good kayak, Jackson Kayak shop. Go to the Find a Dealer page at jacksonkayak.com. They can help you. So, anyway. Well, we've made it 51 minutes. And that means we've pretty well made it the hour. So, I'm going to let you guys kind of start rounding out here on the Onto home plate. Um, thank the people that you want to thank. Um, tell the good folks at home where they can learn more about you or follow you guys on the social for more tips and tricks. Not all at once now. <laughs>
3: I'd like yeah. to thank, uh, yeah, Dugout Bait Tackle is a Jackson dealer in just north of Atlanta covers a huge area down here. Got everything you need uh, if you, for, for kayaking or fishing. Uh, all the top brands. And we've got plenty of Jackson kayaks and a demo pond and a staff that is um, just passionate about fishing and kayak fishing. They've got a rigging room and a, several guys who are just wizards when it comes to rigging a kayak. Um Check them out on that. can go to their uh, Facebook page, there's lots of pictures. Um, also, uh, um, just that, that's you know, they got bait and tackle, my biggest uh, sponsor there. Um, I fish out of a blue sky um, boat works. I have the, uh, the pro, so I got a motor on it. This and it is an amazing, amazing kayak uh, fishing kayak I, I thank god that the tournament directors view it as a as a kayak so they, they allow it into tournaments um mm-hmm. once i stepped onto that thing it just changed every changed the whole way i fished um and uh i'm getting a little old so the high seed and being able to get up move around is is a is a big plus for me i do have a Nar, and I, I love that boat but i i I tend to fish out of my blue sky more because i have all my electronics on it right now so Uh Uh, but yeah that's uh day out bait and tackles uh my bread and butter on on uh, uh when it comes to outfit and what i'm using and uh picking up fishing supplies
0: and for those of you at home that are listening if you are in the area of the dugout July 8th, we have got a fun tour coming to you at the dugout. It'll be starting at high noon on July 8th. So, if you're in the area, stop by the dugout and see maybe Jim, Jameson Redding, um, and a few others will be in in store there for that uh, summer fling at the dugout
1: bait and tackle. Yes. For me, um, well, local Jackson dealer I work with a lot is Delaware Paddle Sports. Uh, they can get you squared away on pretty much anything you would desire as far as rigging goes and any type of boat uh, Jackson offers. So great, great company, uh, small shop, good people there. Uh, tax-free, which is huge, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When you start you know, putting money into these boats, that tax adds up quick. So uh, GPS is the spot for that, in my opinion. Uh, as far as sponsors go, obviously Jackson Kayak and Orion Coolers. Can't do what I do without them. Um irod huge supporter of mine actually jim is one of the reasons i'm with irod funny enough uh but you already know that um yeah. you know aside from them dakota lithium uh p line uh malone auto racks and yakima and benning branches are all you know uh people that, people and companies that support me and what i do and i try to return the favor as much as humanly possible uh anybody wants to link up with me Find me on you know Instagram at, at Tightline Sharp Minds or Facebook Joshua Evans Fishing. That's about it.
0: That's you, Dale.
2: So great Oklahoma Kayak got some team shirts going in uh, two locations: Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Dave Lindo, Melissa, great people. If if you go in there and you actually get to talk with them, um, amazing. Uh, they're the ones that helped me get started with kayaking and Jackson as well. So Oklahoma Kayak, I can't to me there's really no better place, even though I've been going out and that's an amazing location as well. Um, but can't say enough about Oklahoma kayak and what they've done to support me just in the early stages of getting started.
0: Mm-hmm. Good deal.
1: Hey well, chat yeah, can I? I just want to do one more thing, real quick. I wanted to mention our local JK trail. Uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, Rudy Yarworth, he's also on the JK team. He's running two different uh, trails out here in Maryland the, the Potomac series and the Conowingo series. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great grassroots series. Um, I haven't been able to fish any of them yet because of the surgery and the new job and everything, but. Uh, Rudy Rudy runs a tight little ship there And and, uh, it's on a couple of really great bodies Of water out here Um, So check them out and if you're looking at That that next level competition But still that regional local field Mid-Atlantic Kayak Bass Fishing Series We got an event July 15th
0: All right. and for all you guys at home That are interested in the JK Trail I am Dropping you a link Paste Send it in the comment section. So if anybody wants to check out the JK trail, it's in there um, for you guys to go check out. That's the entire tournament list of uh, what's going on here this summer. I know, man, this weekend, there's actually, gosh, looking at June, there's several, um, one, two, three, four, five, six tournaments this weekend on the JK trail out there across the land. So we're excited about that and, and what it's brought to the table. So, But um, yeah, with that, we'd like to thank um, obviously Jackson Kayak, Orion Coolers for all their help in making this podcast uh, a thing. And and obviously our team out here, um, without you three, this podcast is not possible. So we thank you guys and everybody that's been on it. If you're looking for an Orion Cooler and you want to save 5%, please go to jacksonkayak.com, find your Orion Cooler. Look at all of our new, we've got like limited edition coolers. We're almost out of the yellow ribbon cooler that goes towards cancer uh, research. So check those out. Then we've got the new one, tie-dye. That's for uh, autism. And then we've got a few more new ones that are coming. A few new ones that will be out here later this year. Um, they're all 55s. But if you want to save 5% in Orion Rocks at checkout, jacksoncayac.com, and you will save 5% on your Orion cooler. And remember, those accessories ship for free when you buy your Orion cooler. So do that. And then uh, Z-Pro Lithium, Z-Pro Lithium, thank them for their support of the Orion podcast and the Orion podcast network. Um, they've been great for us this year, keeping us powered out on the water. Basco fishing, get you some swag, bascofishing.com. And of course, without a doubt, Cast King, they have been phenomenal for us this year. Um, getting us uh, well-equipped with some new gear and, getting to know those guys and check them out at com. with that. Thanks for watching. We will be back in two weeks with a new episode of doc talk. So that will be the 28th. We will be back new panel, new conversations in the same good time. Joey ain't here, so I can't say it, but he said it last night. We'll be seeing you.
2: Thanks for watching guys. Peace.